0: Welcome to The Lab. What's going on all you brainiacs out there and welcome back to yet another episode of the Fantasy Football Laboratory. I am your host Spitfire Lucas Parrish and today I am
1: joined by the chemist Jack McGrath. Jack, how are you doing today, bud? Lucas, I'm doing great today. I'm feeling good, right? Talk some fantasy football. We're getting like close. I like, know it, it's that point in the time. Yeah. Like, July 4th is always my date where it goes from, okay, we're thinking about fantasy to football to we're doing fantasy football things. So we're getting close to that. We're about a month away for where it really shifts gears for me. I know that's still early July 4th, August is really when it starts to get going. Yeah. but We're getting close to the time when drafts start to get scheduled, leagues start to get formed and, and we start getting into the fun stuff.
0: I know, I know. We're we're so close, and I mean, draft season is the best season of fantasy football. It's the best part of it, and I think everybody agrees. That's why we spend so much time on the draft stuff. We want to make sure that you get that going. And for that very reason, next week or not next week, next episode. So uh, it will it will be next week, I guess. Sunday was um, when we record. Monday is when it'll be released. Um, we will be talking about fantasy football 101. We're gonna go back to the basics for a little bit now that it's June. Now that you know, we're really starting to get things are starting to start back up with every single NFL team, we're going to have training camp before we even know it. Preseason soon after that, we want to take some time to go back to the basics, talk about fantasy football 101. What are the strategies? Why is it that we don't draft quarterbacks early? Why do running backs need to go early? All that stuff, we're going to talk about that next week. This week, though, we are, as you have probably noticed missing the King of Trades, Shane Palmer, who would typically be hosting the episode.
1: He ditched us, Jack. He ditched he's, at us. Game five, he's at Game 5 of the Knicks-Hawks yeah. series, so I can't he, really blame him.
0: I understand. I understand. I get it. I ditched you guys to drive to LA. He ditched us to go to the Knicks-Hawks Game 5. And he's a Knicks fan being from New York, so he is very, very hopeful that they win this one. Absolutely. But let's go ahead and get into it, talk a little bit of football. We're going to start off today by talking about some headlines and how that could possibly affect the fantasy impact of different players i want to start off talking a little bit about that jets backfield with michael carter now i know typically i say start off talking about and then if my next word is jets you're like oh not fantasy relevant right michael carter right now has an adp of 111 as we just tweeted from our lab account that's uh, considering you you've got the headlines coming out about how he will if he's not the rb1 out of you know, out of this off season, he will be the RB one at some time down the season. I mean, I don't care how bad that offensive line is. If you're getting him at an RB three, RB four spot, that's a great pick, right? Jack.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Anytime you're getting a guy who's going to get significant carries, even double digit carries at one of those spots, especially at one eleven. 11. So if we're talking 10 team leagues, that's like the 11th, 12th round where you, where you wind up drafting and third or fourth running back on your team you're getting a guy that's going to wind up taking RB1 touches, then that, that's fantastic. Double-digit carries is going to translate into fantasy points. Even if it's a small amount of fantasy points, it's going to be fantasy points. And there's a lot of running backs out there who aren't going to get any fantasy points throughout the entire year or are not going to be fantasy relevant at all. Michael Carter's already fantasy relevant. Now, right now, I'm still concerned. I'm not on the hype hype train of Michael Carter. I'm not bumping him up to the sixth round. I'm not bumping him up to the fifth round. He's a steal where he's at but he shouldn't be going as that much higher than he's at right now because that backfield is still crowded, right? They have Tevin Coleman. They just signed him. They have Ty Johnson, who came on at the end of last year and actually looked like he might be relevant in fantasy. And then they have Michael Carter right now listed as the third-string running back. That offense is going to be garbage. Zach Wilson's going to be their starting quarterback. He might be okay, but the rest of that offense really didn't improve from last year. I mean, if anything... It's exactly the same. They got Corey Davis at receiver, really didn't improve other than the quarterback position up until that point, and I don't know how much better um, Zach Wilson is in year one than Sam, than Sam Darnold was last year. So it's an interesting situation for Michael Carter. Is he going to be better than Frank Gore was for fantasy last year? Probably. Is he going to be that much better? I'm not 100% sure, but I, I think you're going to wind up drafting him in the low rounds, and he's a guy who could get you double-digit carries week to week, and he's a solid backup. Absolutely. Where do you have him in your rankings right now? So right now I I didn't have him in the top 100 and I'm see my rankings are so fluid right now. It's tough to say and put them in the running backs because they keep moving. They're moving every day, especially as more and more comes out right now. I would probably drop him if I was going to update these as of today, which I haven't yet. I would say he's in the. 80s range, 90s range in terms of overall, which puts him below a James Conner, below a Ronald Jones, but it puts him right around maybe a Tariq Cohen. Um, something like that. I think I've got him, I've got range. him
0: one spot. I have him one spot above Tariq Cohen, but I have him as RB38 in general. And I mean, that's probably a little low. Um, there are a few guys that I'm probably gonna have to move around, uh, including a couple guys from Houston. And that brings me right on to my next topic. The Texans signed Rex Burkhead. What? the
1: heck is going on in that backfield i don't i don't know it's so weird right because who do they right? have now they have david johnson yep they have philip Lindsay. yep they have rex burkhead they have mark ingram they have mark ingram yeah and they've it's got ridiculous. someone else too yeah, i'm not I, touching I, that backfield like there's nobody i'm drafting in fantasy from that backfield i mean I, and i i have my, michael carter at this point
0: i'd rather have michael carter than both david johnson and philip Lindsay at this point like oh, yeah. is that crazy no is that i mean look i I'm not sure how much I'm concerned about Rex Burkhead taking touches, right? If I'm gonna I'm draft, slightly concerned, if I'm gonna draft anyone from that Houston backfield, it's gonna be Philip Lindsay because of the upside. But I, I just I don't know. I don't know what what to make of it. Like, is Mark Ingram's not gonna be a third string running back? Like, if he he'll be oh, caught. He was last year. Well, but but he never touched. I know, but he never touched the ball. Like. That's that's what I'm saying. He's the most useless third string running back, because what do you want out of your third string running back? You want a guy who can make plays on special teams. Mark Ingram's not going to make plays on special teams. That's what I'm saying. And he's not a receiving back. So I'm not exactly sure where Mark Ingram fits in unless it's to get some carries. Right. And then you have David Johnson, who's been underwhelming ever since his what, 2016 season where he was insane. 2015 season, one of those two. He's just been underwhelming ever since then. And then, you know, you've got Philip Lindsay, who definitely has the most upside, but none of them seem like guys who are really jumping out, right? None of them seem like guys who are really going to step up and be a legitimate running back.
1: No, I mean, you like David Johnson because of his receiving value, but then you bring Rex Burkhead in, who his only value comes in the receiving. Well, game. and you bring Philip Lindsay in who can also catch the ball, who can him. catch the ball, but he's not brought in for receipt. Like you had Duke Johnson last year in Houston. Yeah. And he's not there anymore. And that, that's sure. a big upgrade for these running backs. But then you bring in Rex Burkhead who's basically the same style of running back where he's just a pass catching back. And he's not going to do much more for you than catch passes out of the backfield. And so that's what Rex Burkhead is going to do. And if suddenly Rex Burkhead is a guy who's going to take catches away from David Johnson, then David Johnson's not going to provide enough rushing floor with especially with Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram there, if he's only getting 10 carries a game, that's not that's not startable in fantasy, like not even close. I, and then you bring in Rex Burkhead, he's probably not startable either because he's sharing pass catching duties with David Johnson. And you have Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram who are sharing carries and probably are only getting 10 carries a game each. And that's, I mean, that's like a lot for that. Ma- I mean, I just named like 40 carries, 40 touches out of the backfield to go around. They're not going to get that many touches out of the backfield. They're going to be losing football games. There's just way too many mouths to feed right now. I would not be surprised if by the time week one of the regular season comes around, half that backfield's been cut. Yeah. I could see Johnson not being on the team. I could see Ingram definitely not being on the team. I think the only one that's safe in their roster spot right now, honestly, is probably Phillip Lindsay because he's got potential. I could see Burkhead being cut. I could see all these guys being cut. I haven't looked at how the salary cap's going to affect that. But from a logical football standpoint, I mean, David Johnson is
0: making way, way, way more than anybody else. Right. Okay. Philip Lindsay got signed a one year, three million dollar deal. Mark Ingram even less. Rex had I mean, way David less. David
1: Johnson was a good running back for them last year. I, I, David Johnson wasn't David. He was Johnson. solid. Like he he was, was
0: he was he was, he, a was he, he was back
1: serviceable, if not more yeah, than serviceable He was he, was, he was serviceable.
0: Absolutely. He was serviceable. Where are you taking an RB three shot on any of these guys? Like, where where are they going to be at in your rankings?
1: Johnson would be the only guy, maybe Lindsay. Uh, I mean, those are the only two guys I would. Take yeah, a shot I think on. at this point, I would have
0: Philip Lindsay the highest because I tr- would trust him the most to be fantasy relevant. At this point, I don't trust David Johnson. You I talk don't. about the receiving stuff. Rex Burkhead is gonna take some of those away if the backfield stays like
1: it is. Well, if Burkhead turns in Burkhead could still turn out to be a non factor, right? He fades away, faded away every single year when he was in New England. There were games when he didn't play, there were games last year when he completely faded out of And there were plays so. games last year where he put up 30 points. Like exactly. I mean, so that's kind of the thing with him. So I think David Johnson overall has the higher ceiling than. I would give Philip Lindsay just purely because David Johnson could be a three down back still. I mean, they have a lot of guys there. I don't think he'll be a three down back, but if there's anybody in that offense, that's going to be a three down back for them. It's going to be David Johnson and Lindsay is a great, great running back, but the Broncos didn't trust him as their number one. He's shown that he's better in a committee i i I could see him being in a committee next year
0: no look there will be a committee next year absolutely i'll probably have lindsey as of right now as my highest if some of these guys get cut then we're going to be talking a different thing with like a david johnson or whoever is left standing right but at this point i would trust philip lindsey the most to be the most productive out of that hodgepodge of running backs back there if it all stays like this which is why i'll probably have him the highest I don't think I'll Lindsay's have the, the youngest RB3, too, though. right? Yeah. So if they want a, Buy a running back for
1: the future, Lindsay's the guy they have to run out there. I yep. don't think the Texans are planning on winning next year. And if no. they are, I don't know what fantasy they're living in. But if if they're planning on building for the future, then Lindsay would be the guy to build with.
0: He's also the most talented running runner of those guys, especially at this stage in his career. Right. David Johnson obviously had that success at one point, but not he's not like that anymore. And, and Philip Lindsay's still young, still extremely explosive. I don't think either of any of them are RB3s at this point, though. I don't trust it. Maybe closer to the season, some guys get cut. We get some clarity in the preseason. Maybe then we could consider. I don't know if they'll ever be RB2s, but maybe then we can start considering them at the RB3 range. But gosh, that's so frustrating. It's such a small move, but it's one of those things where the Texans just keep adding adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. Then we just don't know what to make of it. But speaking of another situation where we don't know what to make of it, The Saints quarterback room, Jameis Winston, has been in the news a lot this past week about how he's, A, not a solidified starter, which, first off, I was never assuming that he was the starter. Have you been, like, assuming that Jameis Winston's going to be the starter? I've been assuming
1: Taysom Hill's going to be the starter. Yeah,
0: I've been assuming Hill's going to be the starter, but but I've been hoping Jameis Winston is going to be the starter. And then it went further into that and talked about how Winston's slant inaccuracy is a problem. You've got Slant Boy on your team as your number one receiver, and you can't consistently hit him over the middle? That is a problem.
1: I don't know what's going to happen with that offense next year. I mean, they have Ian Book too, right? It could just be Ian Book starting at this point. Ian Book's not going to start. Ian Book rookie from Notre Dame. But no, I I don't – It's that's a mess right now because you have yep. Winston, right? Winston has potential, and in a good offense with the weapons around him. I mean, he had that in Tampa Bay, but he never really – showed that he could be a superstar quarterback. He he does have the talent to and the arm strength and all the intangibles to be a solid quarterback. But he, he's never put it together. And I don't know if the Saints are going to want to take that risk in year one without Drew Brees. This could be it, it's sort of a bridge year for the Saints, which is weird because they're still in win now mode, right? They have the yeah. weapons, they have Kamara, they have Michael Thomas and they have the line. Everything's there for them to win next year. Their defense is still very good except we don't know what we're going to see out of the quarterback position. And they won games with Taysom Hill last year, and they didn't trust Jameis Winston as the quarterback when Breeze went down last year. So I don't know what's changed from last year, middle of the season, to this year. That's making everybody think, oh, Jameis Winston is suddenly the QB one. Because I I don't know that he is. It's going to be something to monitor going into the season. I have no opinion on it right now, just based on the fact that there's just so much Fog in the way of us being able to see who's going to be the starting quarterback there, so I have no idea what's going to happen there. We'll see if it's Jameis Winston. I mean, I like the receivers in fantasy and New Orleans next year. I mean, he'll throw thirty touchdowns, he'll throw thirty interceptions, but he'll throw thirty touchdowns. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, here's the thing. I mean, we've been. I I especially I've been talking about how much I like skill players on New Orleans more with Jameis Winston. But is that overblown? Am I not taking into account the accuracy issues enough? Am I expecting that to get unrealistically better? Or no. is there is there a world in which it is better? I mean, especially you see this headline come out about how his inaccuracy over the middle is still an issue. I mean, is that smoke and mirrors? Or, or are we seriously going to have that is, issue?
1: You look, you look at what Jameis Winston did when he was in Tampa Bay, right? And he was he threw 30 touchdowns. And he 33, threw 30 interceptions, touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Which, which is like... Okay, so doesn't help the football team, but for fantasy, through 30 touchdowns. So, yeah, Chris, but, Godwin but who's producing, who's getting you up, Mike Evans producing? You have a There's bunch have of guys
0: do. on that team. You have a bunch of guys who are really good on the outside. In New Orleans, you've got one guy who's really good over the middle and nobody good on the outside. Nobody else, but I mean, is you see the issue there?
1: No, I, I, I get what you're saying. Mm, it's
0: tough. You had phenomenal I... red zone threats in Mike Evans and a hodgepodge of at least solid tight end that at the very least they're begging can catch. I mean, what do you have? You've got what? Who does New Orleans have? Do they No, Jared Cooks with the Chargers? Um, they've got um, 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 Harrison Bryant, I think, or. or... Troutman, they no, have no, no, no. Troutman. Troutman, Adam Troutman, and right now. Harrison Bryant, Harrison Bryant's with the Browns. Adam Troutman, you're right. Well, first off, if James Winston's the starter, are we sleeping on Adam Troutman a lot? Because he's, you're, if he's going to throw 30 touchdowns, he's going to need someone to throw them to. And, I mean, who's it going to be? Like, Adam Troutman definitely Traquan seems like... Smith. Yeah, right. Adam Troutman definitely seems like the number one guy in the red zone for him if he's struggling with accuracy to, on slants. And then what? You've got Alvin Kamara, I guess who's there too, but you want to talk about a big red zone threat that, you know, he's used to seeing in Tampa Bay. That's Adam Troutman.
1: Yep. I'm, I'm with you on that one. It makes sense. Uh, I, I think Thomas, I think you're underrating Thomas's red zone ability. I think yeah. we've seen Michael Thomas run over the middle and run a lot of slant routes because that's what drew Brees in his older age, was more geared towards, right? It's not like Michael Thomas can't do other things. Yeah. Drew Brees is You're right. Last year and the year before, Drew Brees' deep ball passing fell off a cliff, right? Jameis Winston's deep ball passing is still going to be there. So we might see Thomas run some deeper routes. Um, it's just going to be a wait and see game. I, I think the potential, I think Thomas will be more of a boomer bust than he was when he was wide receiver one, two years ago. I think he'll be more of a boomer bust player. I still think he's a top 20 wide receiver, though, with James. Oh, Winston. I mean, top
0: 20, no, no doubt about that. In my mind.
1: I, I I'd still th- say he's a top 12 wide receiver,
0: and I I'd still fine. say he's a wide receiver. One, yeah, no, I mean, you've got Adam Trapp. Well, first off, then I should ask, is Taysom Hill really that much worse for his fantasy value? Mm, I think
1: Taysom Hill is, yes, okay. Um, I, I, is, Taysom Hill's gonna run the ball so much, and I just don't think the deep threat is there as it is with Jameis Winston. I, it's I Taysom Hill is significantly worse for every other skill position player, um, not named Taysom Hill, than yeah. Jameis Winston would be for fantasy.
0: No, you're, you're. I mean, I agree. Although I do think it impacts Michael Thomas the least because, right. I mean, you, you've seen Thomas again. Uh, he has the nickname Slam Boy for a reason. I know that he can do a lot more, like you just mentioned, with Jameis Winston. That would really open up the possibilities, assuming Winston could, you know, accurately put the ball where he needs to put it. With Taysom Hill, you're going to see Michael Thomas do a lot of what he's been doing
1: for, with Drew Brees, I figure. Or it's Ian Book? I'm calling it right now. Ian Book no. starts a game. Ian this Book. Season. Ian Book is not. Ian, Ian Book will start one game this. Or I will would start make, at least one game this season.
0: Ian Book is not an NFL quarterback. Ian Book will never start an NFL game. I don't know. They I, reached. I, for I him. think fourth I round's think not. They did. They reached. They they reached for him, but that I mean, it's still day three. Like he's not going to be one of those guys they reached into round one and have to play him. Uh, we saw the Jets reach for what? Who was that Christian Ponder? No, no, no. It was um 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 out of Penn State, quarterback out of Penn State. I
1: don't, I don't know. He who played
0: in the, about. he played in the AAF. Gosh, I cannot remember his name. We saw them reach for for um for that guy in the second round. He yeah. never touched the field. Never touched the field, not once. Right? Okay. And now Ian Book in the fourth round. Ian Book does not have the arm strength to be an NFL quarterback. I mean. He's just – he wasn't good at Notre Dame and that he's not going to get magically better in the NFL. But Jameis Winston, though, it's concerning. I'm going to be honest. It's concerning. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And uh, obviously, if he plays, that will be good. Speaking of concerning quarterbacks, onto my final headline of the day, and that comes in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger's elbow sur- surgery appears to have been a full reconstruction. Like, absolutely – I mean, is that – what explains his lack of arm strength from last year?
1: Maybe. I I mean, is it going to get better? Hopefully. I mean, you think maybe it would, he didn't have, he didn't have a terrible year last year for big Ben. I understand his arm strength wasn't always there, but it's, and he definitely faded at this during the second half of the season, but. I'm not hating Ben Roethlisberger for next year. I think the bigger storyline from Pittsburgh is actually Najee Harris and his emergence. Absolutely. As and the uh, top running back in that offense by a long and, shot. I mean, obviously he was a round one running back, but sure. this is going to be something special. Well, and they've
0: been talking about every, every report out of Pittsburgh campus that Najee Harris looks like an absolute monster. I mean, are we too low on him? Should he be a first-round pick?
1: No, James Conner was a good running back and was in the same system last year. And he was Connor was a fine running back. He was never that good. He was, he was all right. I'll give you that. He was a fine running back. But as we've seen in fantasy football, the biggest thing is the system around you, right? That's why Ezekiel Elliott, who's a top 10 running back in terms of, talent maybe a top five running back maybe a top three running back in terms of talent last year completely fell off a cliff when Dak Prescott wasn't there and the system wasn't good around him the same thing happened to James Conner he was a decent running back he wound up being picked as an RB1 because he had a good system around him and then the system fell off and James Conner fell off the cliff too right so then you have Najee Harris who's a very talented running back probably in terms of talent he could be top 10 in the league immediately once he steps in we're talking about him. I mean, that might be a stretch, maybe top. Five. No, 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 no,
0: You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, he's what 23 years old now uh, might be, will be 23, 24 when the season starts. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So you're, ha-
1: you're having him step in, but Pittsburgh has one of the worst offensive lines in the league. They've they're slowly improving that. And then big Ben, obviously if the arm's there and he can throw a little bit deeper, it's going to open up the field for Najee Harris. I don't think the system around him is going to be good enough for him to be a Top 10 pick next year. I don't think it's good enough to be a top 20 pick next year, but I think he's solidly at the back end of the second round or the top end of the third round next. Year. But you're not getting him there. Like that's no, that's I you're not. And I I don't think I'd reach for him otherwise.
0: And maybe well, I, I would. Well, I was I about don't. to say when the first pick in the second round is Antonio Gibson. Well, I guess that might be in just our mock drafts and fantasy mock drafts. You're still by the time mid-second round is over, Cam Akers is off the board. Like Antonio Gibson are off the board in the mid-second.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's going to depend on draft board. If the running back run goes. Are you taking Najee
0: Harris over Cam Akers
1: or Antonio Gibson? Probably not. No, I would keep him right below those guys is where I'd take him absolutely
0: and i mean especially you know antonio gibson the reports just keep coming
1: out about how good he is how good he's going to be in ppr in ppr i take antonio gibson over him if it's standard i'm taking Najee harris Najee harris is going way up in standard leagues yeah i
0: mean and i'd agree with that Najee harris is but the problem there is again that offensive line right yep. i'm concerned about that offensive line but no that's excellent let's move on now we got about 10 minutes left we're having a little bit of a shorter episode today to talk about our mock draft. Let's break it down a little bit. We just, what, last episode, we finished up our mock draft?
1: Yeah, I think it was last episode.
0: And so, Jack, which of your teams was your favorite and why?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, Let me pull those teams up really quickly because I did not have those pulled up. All right. So for my teams, I'm going to have to go with my team of, hmm, let me run through this. I didn't think of a favorite one. So I've got a team without a quarterback still, and it has... No, I'm scratching that. This is my favorite team. It has Aaron Rodgers, Derrick Henry, Chris Carson, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Deontay Johnson, and then Ronald Jones and Tyler Boyd on my bench. I don't have a tight end yet. I like that team a lot because I like Derrick Henry and Chris Carson. I think that provides me a solid floor. Now, this is a team that I stretched a lot for guys. I mean, I reached for Chris Carson. I reached for Amari Cooper, and I probably reached a little bit for Julio Jones. I think that's a team of solid floor guys who are going to get me week to week about at least 100 ppr fantasy points so i'll take that team week to week right. Right. yeah sorry go ahead
0: the only thing that concerns me about that team is your depth ronald jones and and uh, who's your other guy that you have on the bench
1: tyler boyd he's my receiver but he's my fourth receiver sure sure
0: but uh, that depth still concerns me just a little bit uh, ronald jones is my rb3 scares me i'm gonna be honest it, it really, really scares me yeah God. it does because I don't know what to make of that backfield. Giovanni Bernard is getting the receptions. And then what happens with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones? Like, who's getting the majority of the, the touches? And if it's being split 50-50 are either of them fantasy relevant? And, oh, yeah. Ronald I don't Jones's
1: know. It was pretty fantasy relevant last year. Sure, before him.
0: Giovanni Bernard was there. And now Giovanni Bernard is taking most of the receptions, which means Leonard Fournette's use in the past game is going to go down. Right? Ronald Jones is too, even though he wasn't used much. He still had a few receptions that's going to go down. And then what? I mean, are they going to go Ronald Jones, first down Leonard Fournette, second down Giovanni Bernard, third down? That's, you know, a, if they do that, none of them are fantasy relevant. And B,
1: I mean, wh- why do you think that Ronald Jones is going to have fantasy relevance? I think, well, I think it's going to be very similar to last year, right? I think he's going to be an up and down guy. They just something. added another guy. It's I don't like really care year. about Giovanni Bernard. For he's going to catch all the balls. He's going to catch all the balls. Ooh, yeah, well, if you look at Ronald Jones' stats, it's not like he relied very so what much. what happens
0: with Leonard Fournette? Does Leonard Fournette not get used?
1: Oh, yes, I, I think they, would, they ran Ronald Jones more than they ran Leonard Fournette they last did. year for a majority of the season. And they're not they going to change Leonard that because, oh, we need to give Ra- Leonard Fournette a fair run. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to give the better running back the run, and Ronald Jones was the better running back for a majority of the season last and year. And then
0: Leonard Fournette absolutely turned it on in the playoffs.
1: Yes, that's true. Okay. That is fair. But Ronald Jones last year, he played in 14 games. He only had 28 receptions for 165 yards. That basically means nothing. That means he's losing three fantasy points a game to Giovanni Bernard. If he has zero receptions next season. So, I don't care about the receiving floor. I don't think they're going to use Leonard Fournette, just use Leonard Fournette. I think there's a chance that there's going to be games where Ronald Jones fades out, but I also think there's a much higher chance that they do the exact same thing they did last year where, all right, Giovanni Bernard gets in some more third downs. I think that's fine, and I think he takes a couple of receptions away. I don't think Giovanni Bar- Bernard carries the ball more than 50 times next season. I don't think he carries the ball more than 30 times next season with the backfield splits that they have. But if you look at the game log last year, yes, Ronald Jones had up and down games. There were games where he had 20 carries and then there were the next game, he would have seven carries or three carries and he would completely fade away. But there were those games where he had 23 carries and he's going to be a boomer bust running back. And I'm fine rostering that as my RB three, especially with the lack of depth at the running back position this season.
0: Look, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette both had solid games at times last year. And if that was the situation again, I mean, I'd be fine taking, honestly, both of those guys as an RB3. But with Giovanni Bernard getting added in there, it scares me. I mean, it just scares me a lot. And how, I, how I many, just don't How many trust carries anymore.
1: do you think Giovanni Bernard I don't care
0: him. how many carries he gets because the fact that he's going to get most of the receptions, which he wasn't there for, is going to mean that there's going to be less times to touch the ball for both Ronald Jones
1: and Leonard Fournette. Mm, I mean, yeah. I. But as I said with Ronald Jones, it's not like, he had a high receiving floor last year anyways.
0: Sure. Uh, but but the problem is Leonard Fournette's going to get touches one way or another. Like they didn't re-sign him for, they didn't re-sign him for no reason. They're paying him money for some reason. He's going to get touches. And last year they came a little bit in the pass catching game. And this year that's going to be cut down. So that's why I think that Ronald Jones carries from last year are going to get eaten into by Leonard Fournette. And then you're going to have a bunch of guys who aren't fantasy relevant.
1: Mm, I disagree. That's where my concern is. I, disagree. But my I understand favorite, the concern, but as my as my second running back, that's a fair concern. As my third running back, I don't really care.
0: My, I no, I mean, I, I understand what you're talking about, but even then, I still think there were better guys on the board. But no, my favorite team is actually the team where I started running back, running back, running back. I went running back in the first three rounds, and I really think that's something that's you're worth, you know, giving consideration to. If you can get Cooper Cup in the fifth round and go, or even in the fourth round, reach for him for a round, I would do that go running back, running back, running back. I'll take that all day. I did not, however, get Cooper Cup on this team. I did get his teammate, Robert Woods, though. I've got, at quarterback, I've got Lamar Jackson. I got him in the sixth round. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to end up with Lamar Jackson in the sixth round. But on this team, I did. At running back, I've got Aaron Jones, Cam Akers, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's a a pretty dang good RB1, 2, and 3 right there. And at wide receiver, I've got Robert Woods, Brandon Ayuk, Jarvis Landry, then I've got Mike Gesicki at tight end. Jack, I know you're not as high on Gesicki as Shane and I are. I like Gesicki quite a bit. And then, you know, you, you talk about, I started off with the three running backs. Obviously that running back core is absolutely stacked. I've got two guys who I have as RB1s in my rankings and Clyde who I have as a high-end RB2. And then my receivers, Robert Woods, Brandon Ayuk, and Jarvis Landry. That's obviously where, where it suffers a little bit, but that's not a, a bad place to, to be after starting the draft going running back heavy. Who are your top two running backs stand? It's uh, Cam Akers and Aaron Jones.
1: Yeah, no, I don't hate that at all. I love Aaron Jones next year. We've talked about this yeah. a million times. I yeah. love Aaron Jones next year. He is my one of my favorite players throughout the entire season. I mean, I'm thinking he might be the fourth best player overall. I'm ranked right now as the fourth best player. If I had the fourth pick in my draft and Henry Cook and McCaffrey went one, two, three, I would take Aaron Jones number four. So I agree. I agree. He's He's got the potential next season. I like Cam Akers a lot, too. Cam Akers has gotten a lot better in my mind. Just uh, I The situation has kind of cleared up for him a little bit, especially with Malcolm Brown leaving the team. I think there is an opportunity that Henderson's still going to dive in and take a few carries away. But overall, with that offensive line and the amount of times they run the ball and what we saw last year in the playoffs, Cam Akers is looking pretty gosh darn good. So, yeah, I don't hate that at all because Edward, Edward's a lair too. The fact that you got him in the third round, I think it is a pretty good value for him. I think he could fall to the fourth and fifth in a lot of drafts. And if he falls past the third round, that is a fantastic. You don't see a lot of sleepers in the fourth round. That's a sleeper in the fourth round because his carries should go up next year.
0: I I do feel like Clyde is a little bit of a sleeper this year. Like I I know I I had him even a little bit lower in my rankings and I've moved him up now to RB 15. But I mean, he's like he's a guy where who has a ton of potential ton of talent and if Andy Reid uses him right you know what's the biggest knock against him Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback right and so they're not going to throw run the ball a whole bunch of Le'Veon Bell's
1: gone too
0: but Le'Veon Bell is gone and if and Clyde's entering his second season and if Andy Reid uses him how I think Andy Reid drafted him to be used which was as kind of that hybrid piece right not just a running back but also as kind of another receiver on the field for Patrick Mahomes I mean what what do you want to do you want to get Patrick Mahomes as many receivers on the field at one time as humanly possible Because he's going to throw the ball a lot and and he's going to do good things when he throws the ball. If he starts using Clyde like that, I mean, that would be that that's a recipe for not only an RB one, a top half RB one. And I love that.
1: You're exactly right.
0: But obviously, you know, when you do that, your receiver suffers a little bit. That's how it is. But the great thing about the wide receiver position is it's so freaking deep. Robert Woods and Brandon ayuk That's my wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Brandon, it's risky. I mean, there's risk there, but there's also a lot of upside with Brandon. I will say Chris Godwin, I think was on the board. I do regret a little bit, not grabbing Chris Godwin over Brandon. What I was looking at, I was looking at the upside that Brandon provides, right? He's going into a second season after having a really, really good end to his first season. I mean, I think especially if Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback, Trey Lance would scare me in year one, but I assuming Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback, which he should be. Brandon Hayek has a solid chance to be pretty
1: legit. No, I'm with you on that one. I, I think that San Francisco receiving core overall, if Jimmy Garoppolo is starting quarterback week one, there's a lot of chances for them to be legit. You have Debo Samuel, you have George Kittle, you have Brandon Iok. That's scary receiving core. So I yep. agree with you on that one. And
0: then Jarvis Landry as my wide receiver three. I mean, that's, that's a 10-point-a-game guy. I took a risk with Brandon Ayuk, went a little bit safer with Jarvis Landry. I like that team. I like that team a lot, and it's definitely going to – give me a a little bit of thought in my first three rounds of the draft when it comes to, do I grab running backs? One, two, three. I think there's a high chance that I will do that at times because I mean, if I can fill out a receiver core like that in the fourth, fifth and what eighth round is where I got Jarvis Landry. I mean, that's, that's just insane.
1: No, you're not hating that at all. And I mean, you look at the sleepers in the later rounds and a lot of them this year are going to be wide receivers because that wide receiver core is so deep. I mean, you look look at guys in the later rounds, like Josh Reynolds, who's hopping into a new situation in Tennessee. You look at guys like Darnell Mooney, who's a Chicago Bears wide receiver with Justin Fields. Now he's going to be the number two receiver in Chicago. Gabriel Davis and Gabriel Buffalo, Davis in Buffalo. He's going to be the number two guy there possibly. I mean, you have just a list of receivers who are going to potentially produce, and you're going to get them in the 13th, 14th, and 15th rounds, right? You're going to get all those guys. Maybe Mooney might jump up to the 10th or 11th, but you're going to get those kinds of guys later in your drafts, and you don't even have to waste high picks on them. And you can back up a Jarvis Landry with two of those three guys or all three of those guys and one of them's probably going to hit and you can just start throw at the end of the draft, especially with the wide receiver position and wide receiver position is a lot easier to find on the waiver wire than any other position. So yeah. I don't hate going three RBs to start the draft.
0: And you know what I think, you know, here, right before we wrap up, I just want to share one last piece of, 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 you know, something I've learned from the mock drafts that I've done. As much as I don't get it. And Jack, I talked with you about this before. I do not understand why the top tight ends are not valued higher but for whatever reason, they aren't. And, and here's why I say that. I've been on the Travis Kelsey is my number two overall player on my board hype train. I would take Travis Kelsey number two overall. The thing is, you just don't have to. I mean, if when Darren Waller is going in the fourth round, you know, what's the point of taking Travis Kelsey? No, I, I mean, I think I started out, you know, one of I, I did two mock drafts with Yahoo and I had the number three overall pick in both. I took Travis Kelsey and one of them and I took Derek Henry and the other. And in my other mock draft, I've got what? In one, the one I took Travis Kelsey, I start off Travis Kelsey and DeAndre Swift, right? The other one, I start off Derrick Henry and George Kittle. You're going to start off Derrick Henry and George Kittle and love that way more than you will starting off Travis Kelsey and DeAndre Swift. And that's, I, I don't get it. The tight end position, we talk about positional value, right? The tight end position has way less positional value than even running backs. And we talk about how shallow running back gets on the backside of the draft, I do not understand why Darren Waller is a fourth round pick, but he is. The reality of it is that he is. So you don't need to take Travis Kelsey that high. And and as much as I love and would like for tight ends, those high tight ends to be valued more, they're just not. And I don't know why, but they're just not being valued more. And Travis Kelsey is what? the has an ADP of 12 or 13. Like he's barely going in the first round if he's going in the first round. That's crazy to me. That's
1: crazy. He's bumping though. I'm looking at CBS right now, cbsfantasy.com and they have Travis Kelsey up at number five. He's jumped two spots recently. So he's on his way up, but the thing is realizing uh, that's what, I mean, maybe CBS sports rankings are saying that, but I mean, in mock
0: drafts, it's just not happening. Yeah. Like it's not, he's going at the end of the first round sometimes. And sometimes he's going at the beginning of the second, but that's just, all of that is too low in my opinion. But you know what? That's what we're going to end on. You don't need to take Travis Kelsey at the number three overall pick, as I have learned. You can wait a little bit. Get Derrick Henry, get George Kittle. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us. Make sure that you follow us at FF Laboratory on Twitter. Check out our website, FFLaboratory.com. For the chemist Jack McGrath, I'm Spitfire Lucas Parrish. Have a great day.